Welcome to the Here to Be podcast, a show that gives you full permission to be, to just be you. I'm your host, Megan, a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and embodiment coach, empowering you to stop looking outside of yourself for the answers and to lead from your inner wisdom. We're going to get real, we're going to get raw, and probably a little woo-woo. I'm so glad you're here to come with. Hello, all. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out at the Here to Be podcast. A wonderful episode coming your way today, if I do say so myself. And I can say that because I just got done recording it and I got done recording it with this beam of light. (laughs) This is the best way to describe her, Alexia. And I have had the pleasure and the honor of working with Alexia for almost a year now. Alexia is many things and she speaks into this, but she's an integrative nutrition health coach and really focuses on helping women live, be, eat, move, function in sync with their cycle. Alexia does this through the breakfast club. Uh, If you just want some quality entertainment, give, well, and you want some quality information as well, but for some quality entertainment, go and uh, watch the stories every single morning as Alexia enjoys her breakfast on the breakfast club's Instagram and gives you little tips. It's genius. It's genius. It's so, so good. And what we talk about today is what does it look like if you are interested? What is it? What is living in sync with your cycle? What, what does that even mean? How can you do that in a way that is supportive to you? How can you do that in a way that is not overwhelming? That was, that was some of my biggest pieces of, you know, I can read the books, I can do the things I can understand, but how can I put some of these pieces in place without feeling overwhelmed, without feeling bogged down by it with somebody who can give me feedback from a neutral lens instead of my emotions coming into play, who can challenge me to leaning into some of the difficult things, especially for me, that was tied around a lot around movement. How can somebody hold me in a way, challenge me in a way to do something So I get out of my own damn way. (laughs) So I can get out of my own damn way and shift into a way of being that feels supportive and nurturing. And we were able to, last month, we were able to jam in on an event where we talked about syncing your cycle and your breath together. There's so many different beautiful and supportive ways for you to find your way back to yourself. Find your way back to your flow, your natural way of being. And I can say that through the last year of being a part of the Breakfast Club, it has been so transformational. It has been so supportive. It has been all of the things in my continued journey back to myself. And I know and trust that even just listening to this conversation is dropping parts of that for you as you, as I know many of you are on your own journey back to yourself. So open up your hearts, open up your ears and tune in and take in all of the joyous lightness, ecstatically profound wisdom that is Alexia. 
it always makes a little bit more excitement when I share, when there's somebody on the other side of the screen looking back at me, especially with this big, beautiful smile that she's beaming with right now. And I'm here to say, Alexia, hello. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. It is sometimes a ridiculous smile, but I can't help it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want you to help it. I want that. I want it to be there just as it is. Yeah. Um, anything you would like to share about yourself? I used to always ask, who are you or what do you do? And that felt very constricting for me. So I'm shifting a little bit. What would you like to share about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. And I love that you ask it that way. Cause I feel like from maybe the age of like 22, let's say onward, your entire life is, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Who, mm -hmm. not who are you, but what do you do? I like the question, who are you? but what do you do? And it's like, oh, I do a lot of things. I like to wake up and be outside in the sunshine. And I like to eat McFlurries on occasion because they're my favorite. But I also health coach people out of eating too many McFlurries sometimes <laughs> because they might impact their periods. Um, but right now, what I would like to share is that I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you because we've spent such beautiful time together over the past year working on yeah several different things and um, creating, I think, space in each other's lives, which is what I love about health coaching and being a part of people's lives in a really intimate way that I feel blessed to be. Um, and I also sometimes, you know, spend time on a stage in makeup and wigs every single sometimes. time. Sometimes. Performing. Wicked. <laughs> so sometimes, like, really fun. <laughs> five to six times a week, yeah. days eight, a week. Eight, yeah, eight. I was going to say, not even times. Eight yeah. times a week, uh -huh, so just uh -huh. a little bit of time in there. Yeah, so life is fun, and in a in a time like this, to sit down and get slower and and just talk about things is very welcome right now. Mm. And one thing that I would love to, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself because I want to circle back to this, but I think one piece of you that always intrigues me and is a curiosity space is how is there. I don't want to say balance because I think that I don't know that there's ever a balance, but how is there some harmony in doing eight shows a week and running a business and being a health coach and being a human and mm -hmm. doing that as well? And I would guess to say it's a lot of the things that you coach people on that has allowed that to be true. <laughs> Maybe. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And I have to check in and health coach myself very often like very, very often. I know you and I have talked about this before of being um, a wounded healer is much more valuable than being a healed healer. And I don't think there's such thing as a healed healer. And I find every single day I'm practicing the same things that I talk to all of the women in the breakfast club about. Um, but balance, I think is partially a fallacy. And unless it's on your plate and you're balancing your carbohydrates, protein, yeah. <laughs> but even still, even with food, it's, it's a, it's a fallacy. And I, I like to talk about food mimicking life and, and vice versa. So it's a good comparison, but in my life and in my dailiness, I think there are moments where we sprint. There are moments where we jog. There are moments where we walk. There are moments when we crawl. There are moments when we lay on the floor and we don't move. Um, a lot of those moments are intertwined with where I'm at in my cycle. 
Um, but I never, I never seek to do the same thing every day um, from the perspective of balance. So logistically, yes, my schedule looks generally the same where, you know, I will wake up in the morning and give myself an hour to make sure that I am, you know, for me taking time and devotion and working on my spirituality and meditating, going for a walk and getting outside and connecting with someone that I love. And if those three things don't happen in the morning, it feels like the rest of my life goes to shit. So Mm -hmm. that's prioritizing is probably number one in keeping the balance and then letting what is bound to happen, happen. So, you know, if I am with a client and we need to talk for 20 more minutes because of whatever is going on, and I know that I have to get to the gym by five o'clock so that I have an hour and I can warm up my body and then I can come back and warm up my voice and get ready for the show and get into a completely different headspace of like, we are now telling a story. We are now performing until 11 o'clock tonight, right? If it doesn't go the way I planned, one of the best things that I've learned, especially in the last six months, is that, and you and I have talked about this a lot, but letting the patterns be disrupted is always going to work to your advantage if you let it. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's the fabric of being aware of your menstrual cycle and using it is you know, the way toward balance is allowing the patterns to be disrupted and, and being okay with that and just moving in it rather than the pattern getting disrupted, freaking out and not knowing what to do next, or just freaking out that your plan didn't, didn't go as planned. That's the thing that I'm really trying to work on and get away from in order to find balance. That was a really long answer, but I'm that. here for all of it. I'm just shaking my head and nodding of yes, that, that, that rings true. And that makes sense. And yes, those are things that we have definitely talked about. And one thing that I've shared on the podcast, and now people can see where the credit is due for that is the, the realization of the importance of not only welcoming the pattern interrupts, but creating space for them to be there, creating space for there to be magic that gets to flow in unexpectedness newness whatever that is instead of tightly holding so much to a routine or a flow or whatever I think is serving me best when my body or my mind or my spirit is telling me otherwise very clearly and I'm choosing to override it because that's not the routine that's not how you follow that's not what that's not what my day looks like or how it should be yeah. And I, and I think about this every day and I wonder like, how can we actually harness this? And you know, I do this where there are certain things I'll use certain things as a reminder. Like for some people, I'm like, every time you walk through your bedroom door, you touch that door frame, it's a reminder. You're turning off, you're done. This like, whatever it is, you know, how do we, so that's probably something I'm working on too, is, is how, how do we continually remind ourselves that the disruption is good welcome the disruption because that's the other thing I think when you're looking for the disruption then it becomes magic because mm-hmm. it's like who who's gonna get me now what's gonna get me now what, wh- where is it gonna come from and 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 it can be in the simplest thing I remember um on Sunday night we had finished our last show of the week 
And I was walking home right across the street. It's a very uh, short commute. And I was walking home and in my head, I was like, man, I really want an espresso martini. I really want one. I was like, but I didn't make plans with anybody to go get a drink. I have plans, you know, later to get dinner and hang out with somebody, but I didn't make plans with anybody right now. And I'm the kind of person that I want to, I love being by myself, but I want to share everything with everyone. I'm like, everybody come, let's just be together. Like, and I was walking down the sidewalk and my friend and castmate was walking in the other direction. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to ask you, should I get an espresso martini? I was like, I can't decide. She was like, we're going right now. And we went and we had two espresso martinis and we were having a great time. And I was like, wow, if I wasn't open to it, if I was set in a plan or an expectation, it would have never happened. But being available to the disruption, I think is where that magic happens that you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. And letting that come in, letting that be a part. And then, and then from the other side of that, that's where you get to remind your brain, let your body remember the imprint of, see, this is what happens when we let that interrupt come in. This is how good that felt. This is the connection that was made. So when there is the default to no, this is the plan, this is a structure, this is how it goes, you have the proof that that's not the truth, that the truth is something else because your body remembers that sensation and that feeling. That's, I actually wanted to ask you about that because you mentioned that when we did our event a a little while ago and you mentioned that like training your body to remember, because I think we were talking about breath that comes in with anxiety. I think we were talking about like the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle and how you can get into that place of that like quick um kind of uh you know that like fight or flight feeling breath and you were talking and practicing how to kind of come away from that and you were talking about the body remembering this is just me trying to be a student but would you say you could use the oh my gosh are we workshopping of excitement because I know for me when I get excited and I know you've seen this before but when I get excited it's like all engines are firing and we are just going for it and I'm like living in this high of excitement and it's awesome and oh my god everything is so great and then I notice that the come down is not so great sometimes I'm like wait this was just so great can we just keep that like forever Mm -hmm. and not come down from it but I'm curious to know in those moments, like say, okay, me and Marie, we're going to get espresso martinis. I leave there. I'm on a high. How would you say you would use the breath? If you had a a moment when you got home, how would you use the breath to remember that feeling, but also to come down from it? Oh, that's so wonderful, right? It's how are you using it to balance? Because those come downs are tricky. And we, then we continually seek, no, I don't want to be in the come down phase because that feels uncomfortable. That doesn't feel as good as what I was just experiencing. So I think first it would be recognizing what is the, what feels good. What was that? Was that remembering a connection to somebody else? Was that in remembering spontaneity? Was that remembering joy, laughter, expression, free flow? Like what is that thing or multiple things that felt good about the experience? 
And then first breathing into that, taking that in, it can be a simple inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth. It doesn't have to be complicated, but can you breathe in all of that goodness? And can you feel in your body where that sensation lives? Oh, it lives right in my hips. It lives in my heart. It lives in my head. It lives in my shoulders. Like, where does that live? And let that almost like you're planting a seed. You draw that in with your inhale, you plant a little seed, and then it starts to just put its roots down and it starts to grow and it creates those new pathways. And then taking that exhale, sending it out and finding balance of that. Can I draw it in? But can there be some balance and stabilization? Almost like your roots are pulling you down into the earth as a rooted, grounded feeling. So there's a balance, there's expansion, it's open, just like a tree. A tree has roots. It's not going anywhere, but it gets bigger. It gets wider. It can hold it. It can sway. It can move, but there's still a tethering to the earth in that. What does that feel like to you when you, when you explain that? <laughs> What's happening in your body? I know. I'm like, oh, okay. This is why I don't do drugs, but <laughs> because I always would joke like, you know, in college or if, I mean, in the arts, there's always an option. And I'm like, you know, you guys, I just, I experience life, I think a little bit more vivid than I'm supposed to, which maybe is something that's undiagnosed. <laughs> um, and that's why I don't do drugs because I think it would just be overkill because I feel it right now where I feel that sensation, like right in my solar plexus. Like I feel it like right in the middle of my, of my chest. And I feel like I love that the way you describe that, because I feel like I'm experiencing, experiencing it again, where it's like one, the excitement of spontaneity, which I think I'm addicted to, um, part of the problem, but whatever, you know, we all have our weaknesses. Um, secondly is seeing and sharing time with people outside of a pressure environment where our jobs though everyone thinks they're glamorous are extremely difficult. My job from 5 p.m. onward are really difficult for, for many reasons. Um, but sharing with the people that you go through, sometimes, sometimes a little bit traumatic experiences, but stressful day-to-days, experiencing fun with those same people is like the coolest thing in the world. And three, quite frankly, I just really love sitting down with an espresso martini and there's yeah. something about it. And so that feeling just is right there. And I, I have to work on the dissipation part of it, I mm -hmm. think, mm -hmm. but that like planting the seed and feeling it and being able to evoke the feeling again is so cool to me. Yeah. It's so cool. Because I don't know, and, and I guess you can speak to this, but I don't know. I feel like that's almost a little bit of, um, I mean, you're being mindful about it, but also feels like you are putting yourself in the place to encourage that to happen again. Well, you're embodying it. Yeah. You're not just even thinking of it. You're actually feeling it. That's embodied work. That's somatic work. It's a bottom up approach instead of the top down. I'm not trying. And at first we do sometimes have to think our way there because it's unfamiliar to us if we're not connected to the body or for whatever reason that, I mean, that's a whole different space, but it's how can I start to notice the sensations that are happening outside of my brain 
into my physical body, because that's the, that's the neural pathway that we go back to that's that space. And so maybe in a space of, I love the expansion. And, and when you were speaking into it, I was like, well, that's all pleasure. What you were explaining, like, I like an espresso martini. That's pleasure. I like having fun with people that oftentimes it can be a stressful space. Like I like that the pleasure of all of that. So of course that lives in your solar plexus. Like that makes so much sense into that, that space. So maybe the dissipation of that, maybe it's taking sips of it in instead of like taking the big gulp and inhaling all of it in, which I love about you. And I don't really encourage you to shift and change, but it's like, can I take big gulps in? And then can I take a little sip and a little sip and a little sip? So it is the more gentle reminder of that. And the come down is more of a step down process instead of I'm jumping off the edge of a cliff, diving into whatever's next after that. You know, you're good at this. Um, you did share, and we were able to share an Instagram live and we were able to do an event where we talked about living in sync with your cycle, living in sync just in general, and then how the breath blended into that. And you peppered in just the tiniest bit of, you know, we said in luteal when everything feels flight or flight, can you explain the different phases of our cycle and what that, how you, how you can live in sync with that? It has been a fundamental part of my health journey. And it's something that I'm like, everybody needs to know about all of this. Everybody listen, you need this. You <clears throat> haven't been told this, here you go. Or you have, and it's so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's yeah. the other part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the first thing that I'll say is it can be very overwhelming when you first start to have this conversation it can feel like, you know what, that's too much. I'm just going to go back to the way I've always known things to be, which, excuse me, the majority of our wellness, I'll say that as an umbrella term, wellness knowledge is based on research on men and postmenopausal women. So those two cohorts of people hormonally look very similar. And what I mean by that is that the only rhythm that they're experiencing is waking and sleeping is a circadian rhythm in terms in regard to their hormones and their hormone cycles now <clears throat> sorry eight shows a week i need to see yeah. <laughs> that you take your sip of water honor um, your body do what you need <clears throat> in today's breathing techniques we're gonna paw. um okay that's moving energy out actually so you're Great. just fine Great. Wonderful. That's what we're trying to do. See, I took in too much of the pleasure and we're too excited. I have to release it. Your body has to dissipate it a little bit. (laughs) Um, but no, so, you know, postmenopausal women still experience rhythmic shifts because your entire life you've been, um, you know, hopefully experiencing a regular menstrual cycle men waking and sleeping, there's a stress pattern there. Testosterone is present, but it's not cyclical. When you have a regular menstrual cycle, and by regular, I mean 28 to 35 days. 28 is not regular. If your period does not come on day 28, there's nothing wrong with you. 28 to 35 is really where we're, where we're looking at wanting to be. Um, if you are experiencing that there, it's not just your period. So we grow up and we think, oh, I got my period. This sucks. Week later, we're good until we get it again. And then it sucks. And then we're good. Like it's, there are four phases within that cycle. So yes, menstruation, absolutely. 
I like to treat that as the first phase because that's when everything is starting over. Everything is at day one. Um, the menstrual phase is a time where, and, and speaking about this in regard to, you know, our, our mind body experience, really that phase four to seven days, you're bleeding. You're also mentally very clear. So right and left brain communication is very high, very clear. You're able to make decisions really soundly. Um, you know, the symptoms that may have been happening before your bleed are starting to dissipate. You're starting to kind of like people say, Oh, I finally feel like myself on day three or something like that. Um, that's the menstrual phase. And then you move into the follicular phase, which is the second phase. And, you know, if we're speaking from the breakfast clothes perspective, that's how we kind of go about it. But the second phase, the follicular phase is going to be seven to 10 days. And that's where, you know, everything is new and you can think of it physiologically, your body is creating a new follicle, which is where the egg is going to grow to be released. So in that newness, that's also where we mentally are at, where you're feeling more creative, you're feeling more open, you're feeling more ready to do new things, you're brainstorming, you're, you know, ideating, everything is exciting in the follicular phase. You can see how this is a perfect storm for someone like me. Then you get into ovulatory, which is a single event. Ovulation is a single event where an egg is released from the ovary. Now, that this is the hardest one for people to kind of wrap their minds around because it's so different for everybody. And, and quite frankly, ovulation is the star of the show because without ovulation, you don't have a period without ovulation. We cannot, you know, create new life without ovulation. The changes aren't there. So this is really the, the special sauce to your menstrual cycle. And I like to treat it as like three to five days with a little buffer before a little buffer after. And you know, similar to how we were just talking about that, like come up and come down that happens during ovulatory for a lot of people pretty intensely. So this is when hormones are going to reach their peak, um, specifically luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, testosterone. Um, you're, you're going to have a big uptick and then a drop off that causes the egg to be released in that <clears throat> a lot of us experience really high aggressive, sometimes even manic energy coming into ovulation. And then afterwards we feel pretty tired, a little bit sluggish, maybe a little bit irritable even. Um, and, and that's all completely normal, but if we know how to breathe through it, then maybe we can have a different experience. Um, but ovulation is a time where, you know, you can communicate really clearly. You can go for the things that you want to go for you. Your sex drive is higher. So you might want to capitalize on that. If that's your thing that month. Um, you can, you know, ask that person out for drinks, ask that person to go get coffee, like whatever it is, but it's really putting yourself out there and feeling that. And, and also from a workout for perspective for the people that want to know, you can also really go hard during the beginning of that phase. And it feels really good. And you feel really strong. Um, testosterone is, is to thank for part of that. And then you get into luteal, which is the most infamous part of our cycle that everyone knows about, but they usually just don't know that it has a name. So the beginning of the luteal phase, you'll feel pretty good because hormones are rising and they're kind of on this slow, long curve. This is going to be like 10 to 14 days, usually 14. If you're ovulating and you had an ovulatory period. Um, but during luteal is when your body's kind of trying to see, did did the egg fertilize? Are we implanting? Is there going to be a pregnancy here or is there not? And during that time, 
the lining of the uterus is continually building and building and building. So your body technically is preparing for pregnancy. You can think about it that way. So now you'll start to want to turn inward. You'll start to want to kind of like reflect, get things done, like cleaning out your junk drawer and cleaning out the closet and maybe your email, that kind of stuff. And then when you get towards the end of that phase, it can be, you can start to feel like you really want to isolate, almost like you're nesting until the body's like, okay, we're bleeding. And then your, your period comes, but this is the phase where most of the symptoms come about, where most people deal with, um, any kind of significant mood changes. So anxiety, depression, um, any, anything that you may experience, uh, across the board generally can tend to rear its head pretty largely at this time, because when those hormones fall to their lowest points, that's when we tend to have those symptoms. Physically, you may also have symptoms like bloating, um, fatigue, your, uh, not irritability, because I already said that, um, indigestion, constipation, that kind of stuff. But from a mental perspective, you're, you're equipped and you're meant to be more isolated at this point in your cycle. So when we push against that, or we don't recognize it, or we don't prioritize our time alone or our time to recharge, that's when those things tend to come out. So that's the cycle at large. And then you bleed and it's like everything releases and we're good to go and we'll start up again. Um, but that's kind of the, the scope of, of what's happening in each phase. And I think, you know, there's, for me, when, when we started working together, it was like, Hey, I read the books. I understand the concept of like, Oh, you can eat in different ways during different phases. You can move your body and you should move your body in different ways during different phases. You can do different tasks and do all this, but to have you come together with a plan and say, Hey, let's start here. Let's move on to this. Let's move on to this was so helpful because otherwise it is so much of, you know, in, in the great books and the things that I've looked at and studied, it was like, well, do this when you're ovulating and do this when you're in luteal and like, don't do anything else. I'm like, well, that's real cool. But I also live a life where that doesn't get like, I, I can't, I can't control all of that. So what is the, what maybe where is a space to start? And then also as a follow-up when it can't be perfect, when we have those pattern interrupts of life, what do you do with that? Or how is the best way to be still supportive in that, but live normally? So it's such a good question because this is, and the idea of sinking to your cycle is gaining so much traction in the women's wellness world right now. And I'll say there was even a time that I was, when I was really, it was during the pandemic. So there was nothing else going on, which is a great time to start cycle singing. Um, I was like really specifically doing, you know, everything for that phase. Granted, that's not real life. And mm -hmm. did it feel good? Of course. Did it feel like I was in alignment? Of course, all those things, but it's not realistic when you're, you have a job and you have a life and you have a family and you have, friends. well, I can't imagine doing eight shows a week and saying like, Oh no, I have to rest tonight. Like I'm going to show up with 10% of what I have. Exactly. So 
what you do is, and this is something that has also come over time in my personal practice and practice with clients, you don't just because, and I, I will say this until I can't say it anymore, you are never the same two days in a row. You're never the same. But that also doesn't mean that you have to be polar opposite from the day before. And it can look as simple as a small shift where, okay, if you love strength training, for example, you love strength training and you can speak to this. All we do is adjust what you love, right? We take the intensity down. We shrink the amount of time you're doing it, or we expand that you um, are running a business or in, in the example of my life, you're doing eight shows a week. Well, my eight shows right before my period do not look like my eight shows during ovulation, but it's not the show. It's everything else that's happening around it. So my challenge is to manipulate what you can do not use. And I don't like, I'm not going to be like, whatever. I'm pretty transparent and I'm going to be really honest. Um, don't use your cycle as a cop-out, right? Mm-hmm. To not do things or create like false space, but use it as a tool to do certain things better than others when you're more equipped to do them because you're going to be more efficient and successful. Mm. Right. So if, you know, it's the week before my period and I am, uh, on show five of the week, right. And I can feel the fatigue coming in, which is compounded obviously by the the physical load. But I, if I can feel that coming in, I'm not going to get up earlier than I want to. I'm probably going to sleep like 30 more minutes. Right. I'm going to, when I wake up in the morning, I'm probably gonna have a slow morning rather than going for like a three mile walk. Like I might do in the ovulatory phase. I'm going to, you know, spend specific time with my clients and the rest of the time, I'm probably going to clean out my email inbox or do something rather than trying to make it to the art museum for 30 minutes to like, see something that I want to see. Right. I'm then when I go to the gym, it's going to be slow and controlled strength training. I'm not going to get on the treadmill and run intervals so that by the time I get to the thing that I know I have to do and is the same every day, it's going to be good. Right. I'm not going to go to the show and be like, you know what, guys, I got two days and then mm-hmm. I'll be back. No, because Susie Q is still paying $450 to see this. It's the same thing every day. Right. But you can manipulate every single other element of your life, even down to how you um, relate with your partner, right? I may, during ovulatory with my fiance, I might be like, let's go out. We're going out, even after the show, we're going out, we're gonna have fun. Let's go see some live music. Let's do something, let's have fun. And in the morning, we're going for a run. Like that's what it feels like. And then we get to the luteal phase. It may just be like, hey, when I get home, would you mind having something cooked for me and being okay asking for that? Mm -hmm. And and would you mind just, can we just like sit on, can we not talk about finances? Can we not talk about logistics? Can we just sit on the couch and watch a show? Or can we take like a slow walk around the neighborhood? And actually, and that's the thing, it's, it's, when I'm talking about it now, it really just comes down to advocating for yourself and what you need outside of the things you can't control. Mm, I love that that is the 
summarization of all of that. It's how can you control what you can control? How can you be in integrity with yourself? How can you advocate for yourself? Know that there's nothing wrong with you if there are shifts and changes in your energy or your mood or in the way that you desire to move. And, and then as you continue to, especially, I think for me, this is key was having somebody hold and support me in that it was helping me to stay accountable to myself instead of just defaulting into old patterns that I clearly know were not serving me and still continue to go back to them. But I think that was also because doing something different to me can feel very overwhelming. And then if it's new information to me, that just compounds the overwhelm. So especially at, in a phase of my cycle where in the end of my luteal, I am irritable. I am tired. I cannot think about it. So I don't want to tackle something else. I want somebody who knows their shit, who can say, Hey, what if we tried this? And I know you're uncomfortable. I can see you pulling back and withering away and totally not wanting to do this. But like, what would happen if, and how can you take the thing that you love and not get rid of it, but just modify it a little bit Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. a lot bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and if we're talking practical application, which I think that's what the question is, you, my biggest recommendation is to start with legitimately one thing. Mm-hmm. So for example, cycle, my, not the cycle that I'm on right now, the cycle beforehand on the very first night of my bleed, I just wrote out like a big, um, I had a piece of paper and I wanted to write down what are my intentions for this cycle? Because I had been getting a little bit willy nilly as they say, and not really being specific. And I said, what do I want to do for this cycle? I'm going to set this intention. Okay. The intention was to cultivate connection for me because I felt really disconnected from the people that I loved. Right. So I'm tackling this from a mindset space. We can talk about food and workouts and all that until the end of time. But I think I want to hone in on this because this might be the most beneficial because when we tackle the mindset piece, everything else falls into place. Mm -hmm. So I set the intention on the first day of my bleed. So I'm going to cultivate connection. Then what does that look like every single day, depending on the phase that I'm in? So menstrual, that looks like, honestly, taking time in devotion and prayer and meditation in the morning and thinking about the people that I love and connecting to them spiritually. I love that. and, And making sure that, And I get goosebumps thinking about it, but making sure that I'm changing my spirit while I'm doing that, but also deepening that connection without them even knowing, right? Because I'm not feeling super social on day one, two, three, my bleed. Then I get into follicular. Well, I am texting, calling, FaceTiming, snail mailing, whatever. Every single person I get in the morning, I pick one person. That's it. Connect with one person. And then ovulatory, what does cultivating connection look like? Plans. Like we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. And in six months, I'm going to already plan that we're going to do this. Like what, what can we do? How much fun can we have? It worked out that I was at a wedding and I was home in New York and like, it was fine. I didn't even have to make plans, but had plenty of plans. So going out, having fun. And then luteal phase, what does it look like? Intentionality for me. Can I intentionally, can I sit on the phone with my best friend for two hours, which I did 
and just cover it all, right? Can I, you know, call my mom and talk about all the things we need to talk about for the last three weeks? Can I, you know, how can I be intentional every single day? So that's one way to tackle the mindset piece of it without feeling overwhelmed is choose one thing, one intention, cultivate connection. Great. Work on that the entire cycle, depending on what phase you're in and how it applies. And two, like you said, having someone on the other side of that is very valuable. You know that I am like the last person in the world to be like, let's hang out and talk. I like when people, you know, we connect because we're meant to connect and, and be together. But the piece of accountability when it comes to this is so super important because it's against everything that we've ever known, mm-hmm. ever known. And that's what makes it hard. Not the ideas, because once you get it, once you get it and you understand it, it makes perfect sense. The doing of it is the hard part. And, and I can say that even for me, I'm practicing this day in, day out every, with every single person that's a part of the breakfast club. And even my friends that'll just call me on a whim and ask me 14 million questions. But there's always at least once every cycle where I'll be talking on the phone to to Bryce, my fiance, and he'll be like, where are you having your cycle? And I'm like, you know what? Can I curse on here? Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm in the luteal phase. <laughs> and it's it's a small, it's like a micro um, version of accountability, but it's still accountability. Mm-hmm. And you, ha- you have to have it, especially at the beginning, because it's too hard to to try to try to try to change your life in that way on your own. Mm-hmm. And to have the patience to do one thing at a time, mm-hmm. to not uproot everything and make mm-hmm. it look totally different in a week. <laughs> Cause I want that so bad. And that's just, and I think we all do, right? Of course. Okay. Why wouldn't we? And that's just not, that's not how things stay as a fundamental part. Yeah. And what came up to me too. And like the little seed that I want to plant for anyone listening is Look at what Alexi was speaking into as she spoke of what is, you know, what is my intention? How am I shifting and changing that? So it, it's not any different than what a lot of you probably do around the moon cycle. You have new moon, you set intentions, you're in this or whatever that is, right? Like, however you kind of play into that, what are you releasing with the full moon? What are you looking at? What are you doing? Like, where is that coming into? So you probably already have dabbled into this. I know we spoke on it and here of that. So some of that isn't this totally new concept. It's just looking at it in a little bit of a different way and applying it with a different lens. And on top of that, the majority of menstrual cycles align with the lunar phases anyway. Mm-hmm. And when I have people that even like menopausal, postmenopausal clients that still want to sync, we do sync with the moon. That's the way we do it. And if we were living in a society where we were wearing loincloths and only had the sun and the moon on our skin all day long, we would probably all be aligned in that way. So super valuable across the board. And even if you, and this is a much longer conversation, if you're transitioning off of birth control and you're trying to get to a place of regularity, using those lunar cycles as a guide is, is incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we can have you back and you can tell us all about that part. We can do round two of that Great. part um, or whatever else topic that you choose to jam on. Cause everything, every time you speak and I'm like, uh-huh, I just want to know more. And I just want to remember all this and learn it all. Well, good. Um, Cause you're stuck with me. You're stuck. Good. With me. I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. Uh, if people are wanting to connect with you, wanting to get stuff with you as well, where is the best place to find you at? The best place is probably going to be Instagram. It's the breakfast club. Breakfast is BKFST. Um, and on there, there are links to our website and all kinds of stuff. There's also several resources there around cycle syncing. So if you're not in the market for health coaching at the time, because it is quite an investment and I totally, totally understand that. There's some really affordable options there to have all of the material that I use with my clients and, and Megan can attest to this, but all the material that we use together is there. And, um, I, I above anything else, I just want everyone to be able to live free of symptoms, free of pain and aware of what your body is capable of doing. If you allow it to do so and you create the space for it to do those things. So the BKFST club on Instagram and, you know, every morning we hang out and talk about breakfast and everything else can be, can be found from there. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for you and that you get to be on this journey with me and we're here together on this wild, this wild ride. If there's something in this episode that landed with you, share it on Instagram, share it with a friend, tag me in and I want to know, I want to hear about it. I love in the ways that we get to connect. And if you feel called, you can head over and rate and review this podcast. It helps us to grow and share and have other like-minded souls join this community and rise together. Sending you light and love always.